Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. everyone. Welcome to the Forecast Fest. I'm Kate Baldwin, here with John Avlon. Hola! And Harry Enton. Shalom! Mm, so nice. Ooh. Tens of thousands of Nevadans turned out to vote early this week ahead of their state's caucuses. Coming up on Saturday, Democratic Party leaders there, um, they are, are hoping that the early caucus turnout will help prevent the kind of vote counting chaos that we saw in Iowa, which, yes, is still undergoing oh a partial this of <laughs> results. Just, it's, it's like this Mother. endless, like, rerun. Have they canceled that show yet? <laughs> yeah, right. What? Exactly. Season four. What? Um, so with all that in mind, we're going to dig into uh, the Nevada landscape and the forecast from there in a moment. Um, we're also going to focus on Bernie Sanders. He is sitting on top. He is the front runner, building a very clear and substantial national lead. We're going to dig into his front runner status and also talk about what his trend up means for everyone else in the race. Uh, but first, six Democrats faced off last night in Las Vegas. Another Democratic primary debate. But in some ways, it seemed like a whole new debate stage, mm. not only with Sanders as the front runner for the first time, but also with Mike Bloomberg making the stage for the first time. Where shall we begin? <laughs> Mike Bloomberg, howdy do. Howdy do. Harry? Uh, John, do you wish to? Uh... Sure. Look, all you need to know is, all, I think first and foremost, all you, need, all you need <laughs> to know is the statement coming from the campaign right afterwards, which was, you know, He's got to get his legs underneath him. 45 minutes. Yeah. Look, I, look, I mean, it, they should have been set. They were trying to set expectations low and they should have set them lower. lower. Um, it, and look, the reality is, is that the other candidates have had a lot of time on the campaign trail and a lot of debates to sharpen and hone their messages. And he hasn't. And he's never been particularly good at campaigning or, you know, interacting with the press. What he's good at is sort of management, leadership and, and things like that. But it was really starkly in display. And I got to say, not only... Is it inexplicable how he wasn't better prepared for attacks that you knew were coming? Even if you're not the most charismatic cat, you can come up with, like, memorize a soundbite to respond to something. He was not able or willing to do that. Um, But the focus of the fire being on Bloomberg, I think, was strategically really stupid for the other Democrats because they should have been focusing their fire on stopping Sanders, who's on the ballot in Nevada. Who's in the really ballot came out in so South Carolina. Unscathed. Relatively. I yeah. actually thought Bloomberg uh, you know, laid a punch on him with the three houses. Um, but we'll get to that later. Everyone in Vermont apparently has a lakefront property. Ah. Apparently everyone. I just looked national statistics. That's not true. Oh, what? But maybe it's true in Vermont. What kind of utopia is up there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he took a lot of the incoming fire. Fire. Um, but he's not even a, a Bloomberg, but he's not even on the ballot till Super Tuesday. And so Sanders avoided a lot of the scrutiny he, I think, needed and deserved from the other Democratic candidates. So, you know, he and Donald Trump probably did the best out of this debate. Wait, what? you wait. Let's you, play. Let's play an array of the attacks that Bloomberg faced for 
uh, for everybody. And then, Harry, you get to have your say. Listen to this. Goody. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. I actually welcomed Mayor Bloomberg to the stage. I thought that he shouldn't be hiding behind his TV ads. Let's put forward somebody who's actually a Democrat. Look, my goodness gracious, you know, there's been all these complaints during the primary season, during these debates, that Joe Biden was not a particularly good debater. Joe Biden looked like frickin' Cicero next to Mike <laughs> oh Bloomberg. God. Oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, I, you know, I'm New York. You can hear in my voice. I remember Mike Bloomberg debating against Mark Green, Fernando Ferrer, Bill Thompson. He was never this bad. I'll tell you this much. And I can't believe for someone who is so analytical, such as the former mayor of New York, to not have the rebuttals ready for the obvious attack lines that were about to occur. It was stunning. And I'll also say, to back up Mr. Avalon, it was also stunning that it seems to me at this point, it's like we're doing a replay of the 2016 Republican primary where everyone wants to be the second to the front runner who is coming in and trying to essentially take over the party. Obviously, it was Donald Trump who was the front runner in 2016. This time around, it's Bernie Sanders. And it's like, this dude is climbing so, to 30% of polls. What are we doing? I'm, I'm going to call a jump ball. I know we just played some of the attacks. But since, as John was talking about, there were two two clear lines of attack that uh, Bloomberg was going to get. One, he needed an answer on stop and frisk policy, mm-hmm. policing policy in New York. The second one, had he needed to have an answer for... A slew of allegations of sexual harassment um, and comments that are attributed to him that he denies but also says he regrets some of the things that he has said in his past, the sexual harassment allegations, um, as well as uh, nondisclosure agreements that have been signed um, with women in the company regarding sexual harassment um, claims. And when it comes to the NDAs, that was a particularly brutal area for them. Let's listen to that. He has gotten some number of women, dozens, who knows, to sign non-disclosure agreements. So, Mr. Mayor, are you willing to release all of those women from those non-disclosure agreements so we can hear their side of the story? We have a very few non-disclosure agreements. How, how many Let is Let me that? finish. How many is that? None of them accuse me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. And let me just put, and let me. It's easy. All the mayor has to do is say, you are released from the non-disclosure agreement. Period. Look, um, yet another area where Bloomberg should have had an answer ready. And, and the answer is you apologize. You say, look, I've made some inappropriate jokes in my time. I'm sure I'm not the only person to do that. But let's not cater our eye off the ball, because if we create a moral equivalence uh, between my mistakes and Donald Trump's daily assaults on decency and women, um, we're creating the same moral equivalence as, as some folks tried to do between Al Franken and Harvey Weinstein. And they're fundamentally different. Stop distracting from the underlying issue, which is Donald Trump. That's the answer he could have given. He didn't give. Um, and, and by the way, he's in a tough spot on this stuff. I don't want to minimize minimize it, but he could have had a deft answer at, at, at his hand and he did not. But is he done? Is no. this the is that was that was no. that the beginning and end no. of Bloomberg, right? No. I mean, yes, Look at that disdain the dismissal. No, you're so gross, Kate. Yeah. But yes, Rusty. <laughs> yes, he. There's not a lot of time to get better before the next debate. But Super Tuesday comes, right? And right. that's where he really enters the race. Mm-hmm. He's got a wall of cash, and he's got 
thousands of people that he has hired in terms of organization. That still is a real thing, right? That's absolutely a real thing. I mean, one bad debate doesn't negate all that. So I was in someone's office last night and essentially shall remain nameless. Shall remain nameless. We'll just say that person has a large office. And if you look, there were four screens up. One was CNN, which was not airing the debate. One was NBC, which obviously was airing the debate. And at the same point that Bloomberg was getting smashed to smithereens on NBC, there was a Mike Bloomberg ad airing on (laughs) CNN. And this, I think, is just the perfect uh, manifestation of this entire Mike Bloomberg campaign, which is essentially, yeah, so what? I screwed up in the debate. I'm basically going to overwhelm everybody through this ad campaign. He marched out three endorsements the following morning after the debate from members of Congress. Don't listen to my words on on stage. Don't listen to my actual words on stage. Listen to my campaign ads. And maybe it'll work. I, I I mean, you know, look, Joe Biden stayed atop the national primary polls for a very long period of time, despite bad performance after bad performance. So I, I want to actually address a couple quick things. First of all, if there are any Bloomberg ads against this podcast, we have no knowledge of it nor control for it. OK, so I think that's just well a good played. A good disclosure. Um, second of all, look, yes, it's an unprecedented campaign. Um, but last night he really showed ultimately you got to be able to go you know, for Mike Bloomberg mano a mano against Donald Trump in a debate. And you got to inspire confidence that you can do that. And 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 that's that he's got to improve on his feet. He's he is suffering from the fact that he hasn't had the practice and he needs to, like, build up his ability to, like, interact with humans. Uh, and, and that means having interviews and debates and putting yourself out there in town halls and other kinds of things. Second of all, uh, you know, I do think that Biden benefited from uh, Bloomberg's mm-hmm. bad performance. Um, I would not count him out in Nevada and I would not count him out in South Carolina. He, I think he's had, had a strong debate last night. I really did. I also think Put- Pete Buttigieg did. Um, but to your point about the Bernie Sanders, I, I think the 2016 parallels don't work for a ton of different reasons. Yes, it's an insurgent campaign appealing to the base uh, that threatens a hostile takeover. But two important differences. One, the Democratic Party is still 50-50 liberals, moderates, and, and only 25%, as you know, roughly identify as very liberal. So I don't know where Bernie's ceiling is, but he has a ceiling and it's not 51%. Uh, or it's unlikely to be. Uh, the second thing is... Bernie has risen in the polls exactly the right time if you're Bernie Sanders. But unlike Donald Trump, he hasn't been leading this whole time. Biden really has until really recently. Now, yes, the center lane is really fractured for the Democrats right now. And that's maybe why you saw that bizarre and unappealing sniping between Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar. Yeah. I don't think it did either of them any favors, no. even though I think they both individually had decent debates. I think it just showed between those two that they realize – very clearly that the other they, the other one is in their way mm-hmm. and it was time to do something and and they're standing right next to each other and that that interview had just happened know, where but, she no, but, could uh, not she, remember the name but of he obviously President wasn't calling Oberdor her stupid like he like she didn't he it's, didn't it's a good defense the line though that definitely throws you in your heels you call me dumb yeah, you calling me dumb she <laughs> doesn't like him that's what it comes down to. Sometimes you just don't like someone and you think that I mean, it could be vice versa. Yeah. And he may not like her. I, you know, it tends to be when someone doesn't like me, then even if I was neutral on them, I tend not to like them. I just thought the entire thing was hilarious insofar as that both of them combined, you know, are looking at maybe earning maybe five, five percent, maybe 10 percent if they're lucky of the delegates on Super Tuesday. So, you know, you have this sniping between two people who really at this point, look like they're going absolutely nowhere. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, this is like such a different conversation than we had two weeks ago after Iowa. Yeah, like, I, I, I would not. I, I don't. 
I, I could see one of them overtake the other in money and momentum, and I think it's a mistake to count and that either of momentum. them out. And, and I, think, I think Buttigieg had actually a, a really good debate. I have another question that's sort of fascinating to me because we're not talking about Warren. Warren had a very strong debate. Yes, she she came out slashing and burning and really lit folks on fire, not just uh, Mike Bloomberg, although she was raising her hand to do that at jump. Here's the question. She's got a fiery performance. I know one of the reasons she's not getting talked about is her path is unclear after doing a distant fourth in New Hampshire. But is it possible that she sucked some of the votes away from Bernie last night because she's fiery and perhaps seen as more electable? Maybe. I mean, look, do you guys want, let's first play the attempts at attacks on Bernie, the front runner, when he, because everyone made such a choice to go after Bloomberg, he left relatively unscathed. Let's play those. I'm actually less concerned about the lack of transparency on Sanders' uh, personal health than I am about the lack of transparency on how to pay for his health care plan, since he said that it's impossible to even know how much it's going to cost. It's ridiculous. We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries tried that. It was called communism, and it just didn't work. What are you thinking right now, Harry? I'm thinking, you know, with the... Warren stuff that I think is so important is that what did we discuss before? What is it that kills campaigns? When Lack they run out of money. Exactly. And how much money has she been raising? A lot of money, not just over the past week and even since the debate performance. That is the type of thing that can keep her going. It's the type of thing that can take votes away from Bernie Sanders. It's the type of things that could perhaps take back some of the votes she lost to Amy Klobuchar because, remember, they're both sort of doing well with women, older women with college degrees. So I am going to be very interested to see that. But I'm also interested in terms of whether or not Warren is able to dip into that more moderate lane in a way that Bernie Sanders hasn't yet been able to and perhaps kind of ameliorates uh, some of those attacks, you know, on communism that Mike Bloomberg perhaps was trying to throw out there. Look, I mean, I think she certainly has more capability to reach out out to the center. We'll see how it does. But look, one thing that we've been talking about and Harry, you've been in saying it every year, it's trotted out as a Fantasia and it never crystallizes. But unless something changes dramatically between here and Super Tuesday, we could be looking at co- brokered convention and that changes everybody's calculus if they have the cash to stay in until then. So in a nutshell, it was fiery. It was chaotic. They were yelling at each other. Mike Bloomberg has a black eye. Bernie Sanders is skipping out of Nevada. Mm. And kind of sort of. I I, I exaggerated that one. And then on to South Carolina, because next week, another debate and another primary. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Harry's got the latest forecast coming out of Nevada. Plus, it is official, as we've already said. Bernie Sanders is the current frontrunner. What does that mean for the Vermont senator? That is up next. And we're back. You should have heard what happened in the commercial break. Is it was. Okay. There Let's are just say, <laughs> Harry needs to put on better clothes. Okay. <clears throat> and, and our second topic, are sweatpants really pants? They are not. Now at 11. He's not allowed to come to this taping ever again if the pants do not have a zipper and a button. Well, <laughs> well they're still working on the final tally in Iowa. No joke. 
On to the next caucus state, which is Nevada. Democrat, The Democrats caucus there on Saturday, but Nevada is doing something different this time. They are allowing for early voting or early caucusing, and we'll get to that. But first, let's talk about the lay of the land. You've got Bernie Sanders, Harry. Nationally, he's the front runner. But give us the lay of the land, what it looks like in Nevada. Yeah, I mean, look, here's the deal, folks. The deal is pretty simple. The Polling in Nevada historically has not been exactly fantastic for their caucuses. We've had a very limited supply of it. The polls that we have had are not necessarily of the highest quality. But I think it's fairly safe to say that Bernie Sanders is a favorite. So based upon the Nevada polling predictiveness over the past few cycles, along with the betting markets, I have these odds for you. So Bernie Sanders has a 14 in 20 chance of winning. That's approximately 70 percent. Joe Biden is in second, a 2 in 20 shot. That's approximately a 10 percent. Um, Buddha Judge a 1.5 in 20, which of course is about 7.5 percent. Klobuchar and Steyer about a one in 20 shot each, and Warren at a one in 40 shot each. And I should say this: that Bernie Sanders' chance does seem to be getting higher the closer we get to the caucuses. He's had some favorable polls that have come out, but given the reallocation of the delegates, given the lack of polling, given the predictiveness or lack thereof of the polling in past cycles. A 14 and 20 shot is a 70 percent shot, which means essentially there's a 30 percent chance that Sanders does not win the caucuses, which means that legitimately, while we say that Sanders is a favorite, it's by it's far from a certainty. What about the culinary union not endorsing anybody and specifically attacking Sanders because of Medicare? fraud? Well, I, I don't understand this whole thing. I, I don't understand. It, it not only does it not only I would you definitely argue hurt Sanders. It also hurts everybody else. They didn't endorse in 16, though. Yes, but there was a very clear foot on the pedal for Clinton in that. And obviously, if you're against Sanders in 16, you're for Clinton. And just for everybody, the Culinary Union is the most powerful union. Um, It represents most, if not all, of the restaurant and casino workers Workers, um, in in Las Vegas and is a very powerful union um, in Nevada. Exactly. And, you know, I don't understand this whole idea of an anti-vote. You don't get an anti-vote in a caucus or a primary in this right. country. You get a vote a for point. someone. And if you don't give direction, you're essentially going to allow Sanders to win, say, with 30 percent of the vote while the rest of the vote splits the field and people aren't necessarily making the 15 percent threshold. You're also giving up your maximum point of power that happens every four years. And so I don't understand why they're doing that. I think the reason that they did it was because they probably wanted to endorse Joe Biden based upon the fact that the statement – from uh, from the union was when the statement came out that they weren't endorsing anybody. The only candidate that they did mention positively was Joe Biden. But I think they were afraid that he couldn't win. But I don't I, I, you, you, got, you can't play not to lose. You got to play to win. Exactly. And at this particular point, I'm not sure anyone's really playing to do that. Let me ask you this. I spoke with um, I spoke with Sanders top advisor, Jeff Weaver. And asked him about something that Bloomberg's campaign manager said today, which when when Kevin Sheiky was asked, can Bernie Sanders be caught at this point? Mm-hmm. He says he said, I think this is pretty this is pretty close to a direct quote, which was, I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure. And it scares me. I asked Jeff Weaver about it. And he was like, that's presumptuous. You know, I asked him if he was if he was confident, that confident. He said that'd be presumptuous. But is that presumptuous at this point? Yes, right. I mean, or what? I, I can't figure out the game that's being played with the well, Bloomberg. Team I mean, Bloomberg's people do best if if Sanders looks like yeah. the only they're the only thing standing behind Sanders being the party nominee. Yeah, I say this in reminder to everybody: Bloomberg is not on the ballot in Nevada. So right. I'm just saying, yeah. I, I mean, look, I think 
with the reallocation in Nevada, given the uncertainty of the polling, he could be caught. I think, well, obviously, it's a separate question about whether he can be caught overall. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, right. again, tying this back to the debate last night, it was almost, you know, as if people are acknowledging that he can't be caught and therefore the play is for second place. Yeah, and, and I, that's I know. the play it's... in Nevada as well. And I don't really quite get that because, folks, there's no prize for second place. It's not like you get, you know, half the nomination or something or a quarter of the nomination. You lose. You lose. And, and I, it, it just boggles the mind whereby it seems to me that everyone is playing just to stay in the longest and then lose eventually. Well, I, look, again, I, I think if, if it goes to convention, I'm not con- – without anybody having the requisite number of the delegates, I'm not sure Sanders uh, can actually clinch. But Biden's obviously – look, he set the expectation for second place. I think they're regretting that. Um, but he still is best positioned in South Carolina. What is the impact that Nevada has? On, right. We always talk about the it's impact of Iowa and New Hampshire. What does Nevada have on South so Carolina? I less, think, I, I, less? Less, but I will say this. We have a smaller sample size, and what we do know is that I do think that Clinton's victory in 2016 in Nevada helped set the stage for the blowout in South Carolina to the extent of the blowout, right? She won by, what, 50 points or so, and— if you looked at the pre-election polls, they weren't anywhere near as favorable to her as you sort of saw at the very end. It was very clear she had this boost momentum. If Joe Biden is going to do what he needs to do in South Carolina, I do think he probably needs to come in second place in the silver state and he needs to close out strong there, which is still a real possibility. I'll just say also that Bernie Sanders, you know, knowing South Carolina, being from South Carolina, should be like the worst single candidate fit for South Carolina. Now, it could be momentum uh, overachieves mm-hmm. that, but that's always been part of the calculus. Well, let's focus a little bit more on Bernie Sanders, shall we, friends? Mm-hmm. If you become the front runner, you get your own segment. Um, Congratulations. Two questions. Yes, How ma'am. strong is his front runner status right now? Mm-hmm. And where does the front runner status come from? I think it comes from, well, first off, I think it's pretty strong. Uh, obviously, when you're leading the field in the mid to high 20s and no one else is at 20 percent, that's a pretty good place to be, especially given 15 percent threshold for delegates, even if they're assigned proportionally. Uh, And it's pretty strong given that 38 percent of the delegates are going to be assigned by Super Tuesday. Uh, And if you're in Sanders' position, given where everyone else is in the field, you're aiming to probably rack up 40 percent of the pledge delegates already assigned through Super Tuesday, given the polling right now. Uh, But I think that it, it should be pointed out that it basically comes from the fact that Look, he hasn't lost yet, really. He's basically tied in Iowa. He won in New Hampshire. He looks like he's going to win in Nevada. And all of a sudden, that's the type of train that, historically speaking, has been tough to stop. And given that most Democratic primary voters hold a favorable view of him, somewhere between 75 and 80 percent, you can see why. You're a trying lot of to the- rewrite history. What, the conversation we're having after Iowa was that Bernie Sanders did not win, that Pete Buttigieg won. Well, the votes have been recounted and recounted again and more counts and more and more counts. Well, it, it looks like they're separated by like a I, surreal I, number. I of... say that only because it really was a genius strategy for Pete Buttigieg to claim victory and just keep claiming it when it was that tight. Yeah. And, because and, well, he got and, and, like multiple rounds of momentum from it. Right? Yeah. And and look, I, I will say, I mean, you know, Buttigieg currently, I believe, has more delegates yes, he uh, than Bernie Sanders. So for some reason, we're not talking about that if this is a delegate game. Mm-hmm. That seems worth noting. Um, um, obviously, Nevada and, and South Carolina are going to be a big test for Buttigieg. Um, but look, the, 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 let's just be open and honest about this. Um, 
most folks who have held elected position in the Democratic Party, certainly swing state elected representatives and swing district folks, believe that Bernie Sanders would be a disaster for the Democratic Party in November. They believe it would reelect Donald Trump and it would hurt them down ballot to the extent where they would not win the Senate and they would lose the House. That contrasted against the enthusiasm the far left feels about the exhilaration of jumping off a cliff before you hit the ground seems like something to consider. (laughs) Ow. That's one way to put it, John. That is one way to put it. That's that's essentially how Kevin Cheeky's putting it, which is Bloomberg's campaign manager. Does it work for Mike Bloomberg if he's only running a campaign? It's beginning to run a campaign that looks like it's only anti-Bernie. I I think the real— Does that help here? I I, I don't know if it necessarily helps, and I'll say this. You know, we had an NBC News Wall Street Journal poll that matched up Bernie Sanders and Mike Bloomberg. And what did we see? If those are the two candidates remaining and you had to choose between one of them, Bernie Sanders beats Mike Bloomberg by 20 points. Um, the way that you beat Sanders or the way that perhaps Sanders gets denied, even if he is the delegate leader, is the contested convention that we've all spoken about, right? Winning 40 percent of the delegates through Super Tuesday is not winning 50 percent plus of the pledged delegates through Super Tuesday. And obviously you need a majority of delegates to win on the first ballot on the Democratic side. We could enter this weirdo universe, right, where it's pretty clear that Bernie Sanders is going to have the most delegates going into Milwaukee. But it's also clear that he's not going to have a majority of delegates going into Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And hence why Bernie Sanders on the debate stage last night thought that the person with a plurality should get the nomination. Reversing his position from 2016. Which, of course, Jeff Weaver way. denied to me that Which that is was a hypocritical. Lie. I Which couldn't is just believe it. a lie. I, but yes. look, I, you know, that's actually may be the likely scenario. And I say that with some incredulity because we always talk about a contested convention. We haven't had one since 1952. But um, then it'll be about uh, what's likely to happen is that some candidate will sneak through the middle triangulated between Bernie and Bloomberg. Uh, and it may be someone in the race now. And it could even weirdly hypothetically be someone else. Schmillery Schminton? No. I'm oh, my God. Rhyme it with? <laughs> And on that note, I will cut you both off. That's a wrap for us today. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, please leave us a comment. In the meantime, you can always find us on Twitter. I'm at Kate Baldwin. At John Avalon. Henrietta. I'm at Forecaster Enton. I'm both your Twitter and Instagram dial. And thank you so much. And we want to thank our team uh, behind the scenes, Lauren Moore, Raj Makija, Zach St. Louis, and David Toledo. We only hire people with awesome cities as their last names. That's true. We'll see Keep you here next. <laughs> we'll see you here next time on the Forecast Best. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 